Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Jennifer Roig Francoli, an Alexander Technique teacher in Cincinnati, Ohio. She uh, teaches the technique at the University of Cincinnati College Conservatory of Music, Xavier University, and she also has a private practice. She works a lot with performers as well as other people, and she's also a violinist. And um, more to the point for this conversation, she is the developer of what's come to be called Freedom Directions, which are a new um, approach to Alexander Technique self-direction. We've done uh, one podcast on this topic, and we are going to do sort of part two of that. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Hi, Robert. Thanks so much for having me back. Uh, hey, it's a pleasure. It really is. So um, we had talked a little before we before the podcast, and you had mentioned that one of the things you want to do is relate these directions, these freedom directions, to the Alexander Technique concept of inhibition. Yes, which is, as we know, <laughs> a rather large topic. Mm-hmm. And I, I admit I'm feeling rather um, daunted to talk about this topic right now. However, I think it's extremely important. And mm-hmm. the reason I asked you to do a part two <laughs> connecting to the first podcast we did is that even though the first one felt like it was complete, the, over the next few days, I, there was this sense that I had not talked about how I see them related to inhibition. Mm-hmm. So I feel it's important to do this podcast, even though I'm nervous about it. <laughs> oh. And here's a perfect example of how I use my freedom directions in the moment where I am feeling nervous right now. So I use the thought, I am free to feel nervous. Mm-hmm. And just that in itself starts to free me up because it's giving me permission to experience how I am in this present moment. And for me, that is all about what this technique is about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe, so, maybe um, it would be good if you could just say a, a quick word about what Alexander Technique teachers or Alexander meant by the term inhibition. And I suppose it would be helpful to distinguish it from Mr. Freud's version of inhibition, which is completely (laughs) different. Right. And um, there are many ways you can define inhibition, of course. So any definition is going to be incomplete. Mm -hmm. But I I like to think of inhibition as a stopping. It is, um, if you think of a thought as a sequence of neurons firing to connect to each other and eventually if you allow them to continue firing through the nervous system then they could end up triggering muscles to contract and and you could end up with a sense of tension in your body which um, can be a very good thing mm-hmm. <laughs> so inhibition is actually stopping that sequence of events and the more we inhibit and the, the more we can actually get back to the root of um, like stopping the chain reaction um, from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So we're stopping the, one, the, the thoughts that lead to muscular tension that we don't want though, right? 
right. Well, or maybe that we do want. I don't know. <laughs> Inhibition, it, it just without saying whether we want something or not, it is actually a conscious stopping of an event, I think. Mm-hmm. Or it's, it's a stopping of our reaction to a stimulus. Let's put it that way. Right, right. And how do freedom thoughts relate to that? <laughs> That's the question. So I think that one of our... If, if we're thinking of inhibition as stopping a habit, that's another way of thinking about inhibition, mm-hmm. then what habit are we inhibiting by thinking I am free? Well, I think that a big human habit is to identify ourselves with limitation. Essentially, we believe deep down that we are limited. And one of the main identifications we have is to limit ourselves to believing that we are this mind and this body. Mm-hmm. So we're ultimately believing, I am not free. So the actual, I was thinking about this this morning, and I think even before you think I am free, there there is some sort of an inhibition where we're opening up the mind to the possibility that perhaps we can identify with something greater than our habit. So if I ask my student, for instance, are you free? Or myself, if I ask myself, am I free right now? Mm-hmm. Then I am just opening up the door. So that, in a sense, is already a kind of inhibition where I'm just opening up my mind, my, bo- my mind-body-self to possibility. Mm-hmm. So that's even before I think this direction of I am free, I need to be open to the possibility that it might be true. Mm -hmm. And um, the the thoughts, let's say, that that are are connected with limitations, um, you're really wanting to, in a sense... Um, find out what they are and nip them in the bud, so to speak? Yeah, I I would like not even just thoughts, um, although they do come down to thoughts, I think. Um, The way I am using these, how I described it in the last podcast was easy because it's very practical and it's already what I'm doing. So (laughs) this podcast is a little more challenging because I want to talk about the sort of the meaning behind the whole thing. And I, I think that free will is not something mental. And freedom is something that belongs to a part of us that's much deeper. It's, it's not a thought. It's, it's um, actually, you know, Alexander referred to, I think that's what he's referring to on page one of his first book, Man's Supreme Inheritance. Mm-hmm. I happen to have, I left this quote out in case I felt like reading it. Yes, Just, let's hear it. <laughs> It's my favorite quote, right. <laughs> and I think it is significant that it's significant that it's on the first page of his first book. Uh-huh. So I'll just quote from FM. He says, "I should like, in passing, to point out that the theory and practice of my system are influenced by no particular religion nor school of philosophy, but in one sense may be said to embrace them all." And here's where it comes to um, uh, connecting to the freedom ideas. So he says, for whatever name we give to the great origin of the universe, in the words of a friend of mine, he quotes, we can all of us agree that we mean the same thing, namely, that high power within the soul of man, 
which enables him to will or to act or to speak, not loosely or wildly, but in subjection to an all-wise and invisible authority, end quote. The name that we give to that authority will in no way affect the principles which I am about to state. In subscribing to them, the mechanist may still retain his belief in a theory of chemical reactions, no less than the Christian his faith in the great redeemer. And that's the end of FM's quote. Wow. So that, um, you know, I'd forgotten that. Um, and it's funny because he, we don't normally associate Alexander with uh, that super deep level of thinking or <laughs> if that, and that's maybe not the right word but so it sounds like you're you're saying that it's not so much just that we're learning how to um stop doing stop thinking thoughts that aren't helpful which of course wow. we are but that it's mm -hmm. bigger than that yes. that it's more a connecting with a uh, for want of a better word, our higher reality about ourselves. Absolutely. I really believe that this is about making good use of our free will, ultimately. Mm -hmm. And he talks about a high power within the soul, which enables us to will or to act or to speak in subjection to an all-wise and invisible authority. And I think that people tend to react to this idea of being subject to an authority, um, some, an authority that could be all-wise and invisible. But it is pretty essential, in my opinion, to grasping the, like you said, the depth of Alexander's work, because that authority, and what's beautiful, and I think brilliant on FM's part, is to say we can call this all-wise invisible authority by whatever name that we want. So, mm -hmm. and it is something inside us. It's innate. And I think that the prerogative of the human state that we enjoy is that we have this free will. So we can choose to use this free will to either accept how things are, to accept what is, and learn to love it and embody it with full consciousness. Or we can choose to use our free will to reject and resist what is, and we can create internal war with reality. So one of those leads to feeling good, and the other one doesn't. Right. <laughs> it comes down and, to that. And the, the fundamental, I mean, among the many fundamental realities that we humans um uh, exist in or a part of our um, our physical structure, mm -hmm. right? And of course, Alexander was very interested in our head, neck, upper torso relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, another fundamental reality we live in is that there is a sort of a relatively constant um, atmosphere that we live in that has a certain pressure mm -hmm. and we uh, are breathing it should ideally be uh, in accordance should take a, take account of that reality mm -hmm. and I would add that another reality that we live in is the gravitational field mm -hmm. you've done really excellent work on well, that well thank you I it's mean I think that's <laughs> I think that's a, a reality that 
has been is a perfect example of what you just said you could be in at war with it mm-hmm. and many people are mm-hmm. and many people disparage it i mean that's right and that's not usually going to work out real well for for you or you could take a look at it and say how does it work and how does it work on me specifically mm-hmm. and how can i use that information and how can i make changes in myself to take better advantage of it and how can i be in the best possible relationship with that yes absolutely because um for exa- i mean just to take gravity as as an example and i'm sure we could say the same sort of things about the atmospheric pressure which of course is um uh it only exists because of gravity mm-hmm. uh, if gravity were to change just a tiny bit in one direction or another we'd be dead instantly or hmm. uh, pretty much instantly a couple of breaths later um, <laughs> flatten like a pancake <laughs> yeah really um so uh but that's a perfect example because gravity uh the gravitational field is exerting a force on us and as those of us who studied physics know that force and energy are just two different words for the same thing we are getting free energy <laughs> for nothing and we have a choice whether to use it or not or to to sort of fight it uh not right. not accept it freely as mm-hmm. it were and that kind of takes us right back into freedom directions yes and and you're talking about external influences mm-hmm. which are constantly present whether it's gravity or a relationship with a certain person that's putting pressure or whatever mm-hmm. it's it's how we experience the pressure is a good word um or whatever the stimulus is that's coming from outside it's how do we experience that and how do we respond to that and do we do it in a conscious way and and aware that we have the free will (laughs) to respond Mm -hmm. to it Mm -hmm. for for better or for worse Mm -hmm. i think that there is a universal motivation that all of us as human beings have which is to actually experience our free will and ultimately to experience goodness in our lives. And we call it good use. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. I think that people like to feel good. They want to feel good. And this is a sort of an outgrowth of the what I'm now calling the basic freedom directions, but it, it, another podcast maybe in the future is that the outgrowth of got one way that this grows into a discussion of um, values and and morals. And I don't think that Alexander Technique is moral, but there is something in us that does tend to goodness. And so it would be interesting just to discuss that too. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you had mentioned um, the uh, the external um, uh, forces of other people around mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. So if we could take this to a very practical example, mm-hmm. that yeah. kind of thing that people run into all the time, mm-hmm. which is, uh, quote, troublesome, unquote, yes. other people. <laughs> Challenging, let's put Challenging, it yes. I like that word. <laughs> and um, 
So, you know, a classic, very simple classic example might be you're driving along and someone cuts you off. Mm -hmm. And the natural reaction is to get angry. That's one possible reaction. It's a reaction. possible reaction. Right. And um, could maybe uh, so someone who's in that situation and is um, experienced or knows about freedom directions and that and that whole concept, how might they have a different way of responding? Well, uh, if you, it depends at which point you catch yourself. Of course, yeah. <laughs> um, if you ideally if already... just before the person cuts you off, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right, but let's say that doesn't happen. Let's, let's say you've reacted already, yeah. and and you're you're getting really annoyed, and you're already thinking, "Oh, what a jerk!" <laughs> right, right. So then, at that moment, you might start to not feel very good, which mm -hmm. is likely. Um, so then, all right, let's say this were me, possibly. Mm -hmm. So I might start to think, well, I'm free to think that guy's a jerk. And I'm free to feel lousy. I'm free to feel angry and annoyed and irritated. And I'm free to choose what to do about it. Mm -hmm. I could I could chase that guy down <laughs> and, mm -hmm. I don't know, honk my horn and, and cause an accident or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or mm -hmm. or I, I'm free to just let myself think these things and and feel what it feels like and until i decide to do something different which might be to not want to feel like that anymore it's like if it doesn't feel good why do i want to keep doing it surprisingly we keep doing a lot of things that don't feel good even mm -hmm. if we're aware of it um but at some point usually it starts to feel so bad <laughs> <laughs> that we actually decide we want to do something about it. So if I got to that point, then I would think, and this is where explicit inhibition direction comes in for mm -hmm. me, where mm -hmm. I would think, well, I'm free to stop thinking this. I'm free to stop thinking this way or to stop thinking this guy's an, an idiot. Right. And I'm free to stop doing whatever I'm doing within myself to create this experience of unpleasant sensation um so basically any and i don't even need to know what i'm doing exactly mm -hmm. it all falls under the umbrella of the habit capital t capital h the habit which is part of my human nature so first of all i'm accepting that i'm human and it's okay to think these things mm -hmm. it's okay to feel these things i'm free i mean that's the whole point of being human is to experience the whole range so i'm free to experience this unpleasantness mm -hmm. but i'm also free to stop doing the habit which continues it so it's like a self-feeding loop that gets it pulls it sucks me down farther and further how I can stop the loop. How important do you think it is to take that first step that you've mentioned, which is to say, I'm free to be angry at this person or something like that, mm -hmm. instead of just going to, um, like if we, if we went with the phys on the physical side of things, how about I'm free or my neck is free or something like that. In other words, just mm -hmm. go directly to a physical correlate and and affirm the freedom of that. Do you think it's crucial to to do that almost like a two stage process that you you outlined? 
See, I'm not really sure if that is if the first part is actually implicit already. If I were to start with the thinking, I'm free. Um, actually, it. I think it is implicit. <laughs> um, so it is possible to, for me to just think, I'm free. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that I need to be aware of what I'm doing. So I automatically, if I think now, because I've been practicing it, it's becoming more automatic. Um, I'm thinking I'm free and to be exactly the way I am right now. And that's what I want. Ultimately, I want to be free to be exactly who I am right now. And if that includes some thoughts that are giving me an unpleasant experience, well, that's the way it is, and it is essential and crucial and absolutely necessary to to accept that experience. Otherwise, I'm blocking it out. I'm splitting myself. I am mm-hmm. creating separation, and I'm rejecting reality, which is ultimately not going to make me feel good. Mm-hmm. The What I've noticed using Freedom Directions, and I've started since our first conversation, excuse me, I've started using that in my teaching. Mm -hmm. And I've been amazed on many levels. Um, I'm so uh, happy you're using it. And Imogen, that podcast mm, with Imogen was wonderful. Another teacher we did a podcast with who's also been using it. Um, I'm amazed on many levels, including the ease of teaching them and also the transferability of Mm. them from students to friends of them or husbands or wives. Mm. It's astonishing, really. But to get back to your um, kind of bigger picture, but I mean, your bigger picture suggests that it might be useful to acknowledge the uh, unpleasant feeling that you have in a situation. But for people who are using freedom directions for what we might call more mundane purposes, Mm -hmm. like say I'm walking and Mm -hmm. I decide, I realize that it's possible I might be able to walk with a little greater ease. And Mm -hmm. if I say I'm free to walk or my walking is free, or some such version of freedom directions, Mm -hmm. there is kind of an instantaneous um, change for the better Mm -hmm. without going through a two-step process. Yeah, I agree. And you know what? After our first podcast, I started experimenting myself with your comments on maybe we could just skip all those questions and all the philosophy and all that all the stuff that I tend to start with mm-hmm. so I, I I've skipped it sometimes and mm-hmm. it works just as well my question is well it, it depends um, it's I don't think it's essential to go through all the the preliminary steps but I do I just feel like maybe it's just me. <laughs> I want my students to really understand what's behind it so that it sticks better. Right. Well, yeah. you know, what I've done is uh, with some of my students, I've just started right out with the free freedom versions. Mm-hmm. But after after they've done some experimenting with that, the ones that I feel could would benefit from it, I mentioned that it's it's somewhat in my mind maybe i probably not as much in your mind but in my mind a version of alexander negative directions which have yes. been around for a while mm-hmm. and i'll explain to them that it's it's another way of saying the same thing that has yes. a, a little more it's a little more efficient it's a sh- t- typically a shorter 
phrase, which is uh -huh. always good. You don't have to deal with people's negative reactions to negative <laughs> directions, some, right. which occasionally happens. Yeah, and sometimes they're hard to wrap your brain around, too. Like to, if you're sitting in a chair and you're thinking, I'm not sitting right. in a chair, oh. that takes a little explanation, too. Right, and I, like I mentioned, I had a student that say, I asked her if she'd be yes. okay <laughs> saying I'm not sit sitting. She said, no, I wouldn't right. because I am. Um, so you don't have to deal with that. Um, Although I must say there are some students who do not immediately take to the thought I'm free either, which is yeah, part I of why I, I usually Yeah, I haven't run into process. that yet, but I could well imagine there might um, mm -hmm. be some. But I think, to me, um, the, the way I look at the current state of Freedom Directions is, first of all, it, it, it's pretty new, and there there's going to be, hopefully people exploring it and making new discoveries about mm. it and how to use use it, but also that it's a very um, open-ended process. Uh, yes. Students can take these and use them in all sorts of ways that their teacher might never have might, might never <laughs> have thought of. Right. And because th they're free and they start to realize yeah. they're free to do whatever they want with these directions. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, negative directions had some of those same qualities, too. Yes. I've had students who've run with those in very mm -hmm. interesting directions. But it seems to me freedom directions even more so. And it's almost like freeing um, Alexander's basic, original basic idea that he expressed in those words you read earlier. It's almost like freeing that from necessarily being something that only Alexander Technique teachers can convey, Right. For one thing, I don't and, think it's. I don't think we are the only ones. No, we fact, definitely we are, are not the only ones. <laughs> but kind of freeing it from all the structures around Alexander's work. Mm -hmm. Yes, and, which and is pretty are... pretty revolutionary, Jennifer. Something. <laughs> You know, someday you're going to get a lot of credit, but you might get some blame, too. I don't doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> Got to learn to live with that. That comes with the territory. Yeah. <laughs> People so, are uh, free to criticize. <laughs> well, and I think, it, um, I think it would be nice to just put out an invitation to anyone who's listening to this, mm -hmm. whether they're a student of the technique or a teacher or just someone who stumbled onto it, and has started exploring these directions, if they, um, if they would like, for example, to do a podcast or to write something about their experience, you know, we'll put it, I'll put it in an appropriate place on one of my websites or we'll do a podcast or they might want to contact you, Jennifer, we'll put a that link to, to your site. Because mm -hmm. I really think we're kind of uh, starting something here. Yes, and it is... It limitless. It really, <laughs> it's, it's I, think limitless. It, I think it is. Right. I so mean, it's you've, given, you've given me something to wrap my mind around with those <laughs> big thoughts at the beginning. Um, right. um, I, I feel like that's, that's our function is to um, just... Put it out here. there and let it... Let it, it, um, somehow the silence was all that was coming because I think that's the answer. <laughs> it's like our function is to get out of the way. Absolutely. And to allow that, how does he put it? That all wise and invisible authority, mm -hmm. which, which I, I see as and I experience as 
from without and from within to allow that to move us uh, so that we can move others, we can mm-hmm. be moved, we can move and be moved <laughs> and with freedom. I think that's what we're doing here. At least that's what I, I hope I'm doing. <laughs> well, I think I think that'd be a perfect note on which to bring our conversation to an end. What do you think? Perfect. Thank you so much, Robert. Oh, it's such this, a pleasure to this be is, this is this is uh, it's, this is really exciting stuff. We're talking, by the way, just for historical purposes, in mid um, October, two thousand and thirteen, and I'm going to guess that. Uh, there'll be many more uh, podcasts and writings and so on on this topic. So my guest today has been Jennifer Roig Francoli, Alex- an Alexander Technique teacher in Cincinnati, Ohio. If anything that we've talked about interests you and you live in uh, the Cincinnati area, We'll put a link to her website and you can contact Jennifer. We'll also put a link to a website where you can locate an Alexander teacher anywhere in the world. Um, not all Alexander Technique teachers at this point in time are familiar with Freedom Directions, but I think a lot of them are familiar with a precursor called Negative Directions, and they are certainly familiar with the precursor of that traditional Alexander direction. So uh, you can probably get some help on this from any Alexander teacher. Um, and thank you so much, Robert. Oh, well, I look forward to the next time. Absolutely. <laughs> Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.